You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. I'm starting today a series of messages. I don't know how many there will be, maybe maybe three, maybe ten. I don't know. I'm going to go as long as I can go on a series called Righteousness. Righteousness. We're going to talk about what what righteousness is, what it empowers you to do, and what it creates in you, and how it makes you Right with God, righteousness, imputed righteousness. Some of you are going to hear some of the th- these things I've been teaching for these th- four years we've been in this church, five really, because we were here before we became the pastors. I guess five or six almost. We've been a part of this church a long time. Been the pastors here for four years this May. May 19th, as a matter of fact, will be four years. Wow, where'd the time go? I'm glad to be here. I knew the first time I came here I was going to be a part of this church. We had about this many people, about this many people here then. Very few. But it was good. And now we got a nearly a house full with kids running all over everywhere. Amen. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do, Greg. I guess Dylan's going to have to go back to work. <laughs> Help keep up with them. Uh, we have a, a, a task in front of us, folks. Miss Anna said, I want to become the church. I think the river should be the church. This community cannot live without. Amen. I, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? It starts with you knowing who you are. It starts with knowing who you are. If you do not know who you are, you do not know what you're supposed to do or what you can do. Who you are is everything. Knowing who you are in Christ and who He is in you. Righteousness starts like this. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. Israel, if you can keep up with me, I hope you can. I got a lot to say today. Genesis 15, 6. The first use of the word righteousness is right here. The first time it appears in the Bible. Genesis 15, 6. It's the most important verse in in, in Pauline doctrine. Paul uses this as the centerpiece of all of his doctrine. Genesis 15, 6. And he, Abram, not Abraham, Abram. Anybody know what Abram means? Father. Father. Not father of multitudes, it means father. Abram means father. He, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, accounted it to him, counted it to him, counted it to him for righteousness. 
God just counted his faith as righteousness. Now, I'm going to tell you this story again. I've told you before, but we have new people here, and I have to re repeat some things over and over. Y'all understand that? How many, how many of you have been here for the whole four years I've been here? How many of you have not been here all that time? Let me see your hands. Let's see this. It was, it was about three, three or four years ago when I first taught this here. So I've got to go over it again. I've got to keep everybody on the same page. What this says is, God made the rules. You didn't. You did not make the rules. God made the rules. And he says he counted his faith as righteousness. That, that got me. One day I stopped and I said, what, what's going on here? What does this mean? What does this mean? How can God count righteousness as anything but righteousness and faith as anything but faith? I imagine that Abraham just sent up faith to God. Saw faith coming up to God. God has faith on his desk there, you know, so to speak. Got faith in anything. He calls his angel to, to put it on the, on the uh, account of Abram. Calls the accounting angel over there. Hey, come over here, boy. Bring that big ledger you got. I want you to put something on Abram's account. Yeah. So the angel comes over there with a big old ledger. Open it up to Abram. Should be right close to the front, A-B. Yeah. <laughs> uh, opens it up close to the front. There he is, Abram, right up to the front. Write down righteousness under his account. Counted it for him. Counted it to him as righteousness, you see. I hear the angel say, Lord, that's a big word. I don't know how to spell righteousness. Could I see it? Could I look at what you got there on your desk? How many of you have ever done, ever done any bookkeeping? If you have $7 on the table, what is on your desk, what are you supposed to put in the ledger? $7. Can you put, can you put $6 in the ledger and take a dollar and put it in your pocket? You can, you can, but they're going to find out. And you're going to jail. You're going to get caught because it's wrong. How many, how many know you can't do that because it's wrong? But if you have $6 on the table, you put $6 in the ledger because that's the only right thing to do. What if you have a half a dozen dollars, half a dozen dollars on the table? Can you put six in the ledger? Yes. Why? It's the same because it's the same thing. If it's the same thing, it can go in the ledger. I see God showing, showing the angel what he's got here, faith. The angel looks over there at faith and says, that doesn't look like righteousness to me, Lord. Sounds like righteousness starts with something like a R, 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 R. You got fa, 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 faith. That's not the same word. And I can't put faith, righteousness in this book, Lord, if all you have is faith there. Write down righteousness. I'm accounting it as righteousness. Now, Lord God Almighty, you are God, the angel said. I'm just making this up. I kind of hear this story in my head, how it happened. Lord God, you are God. 
And if you, the judge of the, of the universe, say that righteousness is faith, and faith is righteousness, I can do that, but I've got to hear you say, not that faith will become righteousness, not that faith will take you to righteousness, I've got to hear the God of the, God of the universe say, faith is righteousness. God said, write it in the book, faith is righteousness. Write it, it's the same thing. So he wrote righteousness in the book. That's how God accounted it as righteousness. Just something you believe in your heart. What did he believe? He believed that God was going to give him a son, a seed, which Galatians tells us was not really Isaac, but it was really Jesus. And when Jesus said, Abraham saw my day, he's talking about that day right there. Genesis 15, 6. Abraham saw Jesus that day, the seed that would come and make us all righteous. Glory to God. Genesis 15, 6, And he believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. We, we count different, you know. I heard the story about a little boy who went to school. His teacher said, Now, Johnny, if I give you two cats, I hear one of them screaming right now. <laughs> if I give you two cats, then give you two more cats, and then give you two more cats. How many cats will you have? The little boy said seven. She said, now listen, now listen, I don't think you understood the problem. Now hear me, listen real close. I'm going to give you two cats. And then we're going to give you two more cats. And I'm going to give you two more cats. How many will you have? He said seven. She said, Johnny, I don't, let, me, let me put it this way. I'm going to give you two apples. And then two more apples. And then two more apples. How many will you have? He said, six. She said, okay, let's try it again. I'm going to give you two cats and two more cats and two more cats. How many will you have? He said, seven. I already have a cat at home. <laughs> you knew where that was going, right? I already have a cat. God counts differently than we do. He does. He said one can chase a thousand, two can put two thousand to flight. No, he didn't. Two can put ten thousand to flight. So one plus one is ten to God. One plus one is two to holler. One plus one is ten to God. Glory to God. You hearing me? He counts different than we do. He accounted your faith as righteousness. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 1, righteousness is standing out to us today. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I took you to the centerpiece of Paul's doctrine, Genesis 15, 6. Now I'm going to give you the centerpiece of Western civilization. The centerpiece of Western civilization is right here in these two verses, Romans 1, 16, and 17. These two verses built Western civilization. You may not know this, but it did. These two verses sparked the Reformation that out, of, out of which came 
the Western civilization, the, the freedoms you enjoy came out of a, of a re revival 500 years ago. Started by a German monk by the name of Martin Luther. And he preached these two verses radically. Listen to this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, verse 17, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. If you're going to be justified, you don't only, you don't only have, it says from faith to faith, from the beginning of your faith to the end of your faith, and in between is the living by faith. The whole life of a Christian is about his faith, about what he believes. It can't be about how he performs. Because I'm sorry to inform you, all of you would be going to hell if it's about how you perform. If it's about how any of us perform, we would all be burn, burning in hell before it's all over with. We would. There's no help for us all if it's about how we do. The, most, the best people I know. I knew a guy that was so strict, so religiously strict. He had found out I went bowling one time. And he jumped all over to the guy that told him that I went bowling. He said, I thought he was a pastor. I thought he was supposed to be a preacher. What's he doing at the bowling alley? The guy said, what's wrong with going bowling? He said, we just can't do that. That's, that's ungodly. Now, this guy wound up having an affair with one, of his, with one of the women in his church, but I'm ungodly for bowling. <laughs> Hear what I mean? The best of us can't, can't keep it straight. Amen. Amen. I've never had an affair, thank God. <laughs> because I don't have to. If I married a German woman, that would kill me. I like living. I'm not afraid of God as much as I'm afraid of her. <laughs> Wouldn't you, honey? Yeah, she, she's admitting that. She said, I would act like everything was okay. But you do have to sleep sometime. Mm -hmm. No, you can't, you can't make your righteousness about how you perform. Because that drip, drip, drip will eventually get you. It'll get you. And unworthiness, unworthiness as we heard this morning, will destroy your life. Your righteousness has to be higher than you. Amen. We're going to find out how that happens. We're going to find out about it. Acts chapter 10. You don't have to turn there, Israel, unless you just want to. But in Acts chapter 10, we find out how the first Gentiles got saved. The first Gentiles got saved. You might turn to verse 43 in Acts chapter 10. The first Gentiles got saved. A guy named Cornelius. Not a Greek. Not a Greek. Because if he had been a Greek, the Jews could have sort of handled that. They wouldn't have been so messed up about this. Because the Greeks, the Greek culture had infected and infiltrated Judaism. And many of the Jews spoke Greek. A lot of them spoke Greek only. They were called Hellenists. That's why the New Testament is all written in 
Greek. I am fully convinced that Jesus read and spoke Greek. You won't hear very many people say that, but I know this one thing for sure. That he was not reading from a Hebrew text up in Capernaum. That, that uh, Was it Capernaum where he, where he was in the synagogue where he announced, his, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me. He had to be reading from a Greek Septuagint when he read that. Had to be. And the Roman outposts are not going to have in the synagogue a set of Hebrew scriptures. It's just not going to happen, not in those days. They had the Septuagint everywhere. And Jesus stood up and read it in Greek. The language of the Gentiles. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That he'd come to set the captives free. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Greek, the Greek uh, people would have been more acceptable to the Jews. But the Romans, no. The Romans, we hate them, they said. They despised the Romans. Why? Because they were their oppressors. And here's a Roman centurion, not just a Roman, a guy who works for the emperor. He's there as a suppression force, the police force for the Roman government in Israel. But there's something different about this guy. He loves God's people. He loves the Jews. He has them as his slaves, as his servants. And he's kind to them. He starts giving alms to them, giving money to the synagogue, giving money to the Jewish poor, helping them, praying always, giving alms. And God saw that alms come up. He said, come up before me. An angel came to him one day and said, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have come up as a testimonial before God. It says the memorial. Look up the word memorial and it means a statue. A memorial is a statue. And it came up before God as a statue. Now we know there's lots of stuff in, 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 uh, in uh, heaven. Lots of structures in heaven. I kind of like to think that, that there was a statue that started growing in heaven. Yeah. And somebody said, what on earth is that? That looks weird, God. He said, that's a memorial that's coming up from a, from a Gentile. A Gentile? How did he get a statue up here? How did he get a memorial up here in heaven? Well, he's praying and giving his money away. Uh, what are we going to do about this? Uh, I have to do something. I can't have this memorial here unto a Gentile and not have that Gentile be able to come here to see it. You hear me? So what did he do? He sent that angel, says, what I need you to do is go to see Peter. So he got Peter as in Peter, James, and John, got Peter to go to Cornelius' house. Through three dreams and a vision, they say. He had three, three dreams in chapter 10 about a sheet let down. And God kept telling him, and it had all kinds of ugly beasts inside it, creeping things inside it. And God said to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Remember the story? Peter said, not so, Lord, I can't do that. I cannot do that. I can't do that. No. But he got there anyway. He did it just the same. He finally got him, got him loose from his religion, 
And Peter goes to the house of Cornelius in Caesarea by the sea in Israel. I've been there. I preached this message there. It was a lot of fun. We got there. He got there and started preaching to them. And he reaches verse 43 in Acts chapter 10, which says, To him give all the prophets witness, that through his name, whoever believes upon his name. Is that, am I close? Whoever believes in him shall receive the remission of sins. And while Peter was still saying that, those words, verse 44 says, while Peter was still saying that, yes. not something else, that he'd been preaching for quite a while if you read it. When he said that, first time he told them how to be saved. Believe on the name of Jesus. Believe on Jesus and you'll be saved. Your sins will be remitted. While he's still saying that, it says the Holy Ghost fell on all those who heard the word. And we know the Holy Ghost fell on them because they heard them speaking other other tongues. Wow. Wow. Righteousness had been imparted. Why? Because they believed. I know this is true. We know this is true. We know this is true because of Acts chapter 15. A few years later, <laughs> word gets out that the Gentiles are getting saved up in Antioch, north. Word gets out that... Bunch of these Gentiles are getting saved. So some Pharisees, Christians, that's like a Christian prostitute to me. I don't understand it. Pharisee Christians, they went up to, 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 to Antioch to try to fix this. They went up there and they said, okay, we believe you got, you got saved, all right, guys. But if you're going to stay saved and finish the work, you've got to be circumcised. That's what they were saying. You got it free, but if you're going to keep it, you got to do this, do that, do this, do this. That sounds like so many in the church today. We freely offer you grace to be saved by, but if you're going to stay saved, you got to do this, got to do that, got to do this, got to do that. That is the biggest bait and switch in the history of the world. And it's ungodly. Tell somebody to get in free, but you can't stay in free. That's of the devil. That's the devil's work. It's like telling a baby, all right, I brought you in here free, but if you're going to stay in my family, you've got to do right. He's going to crap his pants every day, several times a day. How is he going to be doing right? Unless somebody keeps him in the family. Are you hearing me? He's going to be throwing up on, a, on everybody's new clothes. He can't do right. He can't do right for a long time. He's going to try as he's trained. This boy right here, my first convert in, in Oklahoma. I mean, not in Oklahoma, but in this church, in this town. Come here, Kenny. He came here, and he was at least an agnostic. Maybe not an atheist, but close. He'd heard all the, the, the Christianity, Christianity had said to him. I told him about Jesus' love and how Christ died for him. And it was not about how he performed, but rather about what he believed. The first time he heard me, he wanted to get saved. Amen. Amen. And did. I baptized him in water, in the coldest water in the history of the world, right here. Yeah. Is that right, Kenny? Oh, yeah, that was freezing. He's been serving God ever since. 
Israel, Israel put the water in the tank. It was iceberg cold when we got in there. That's the quickest baptism in the history of this church, I'm telling you. <laughs> in and out, in and out, in and out. But it worked anyway. Worked anyway. That's right, Antarctica baptism. I saw polar bears, didn't you? Acts chapter 15, they get together to discuss this. They bring in Peter and Paul to this big meeting. Now, I want you to know something. If we're going to have a theological discussion and Peter and Paul show up, holler's not saying a word. I'm not talking at all. I'm listening to Peter and Paul. How about you? I'm going to say, say on, boys, say on. Shutting my mouth. Peter and Paul are the big dogs. They show up and they say the same thing. Look at Acts chapter 15 and verse 7, I think, is where we will begin. They come to Jerusalem, they're talking about all this. And when there had been much disputing, now listen to me, listen to me real, real good. When they say much disputing about religious things in a room full of Jewish scholars, you can tell that, that you never heard anything like that. It was a shouting match. Shouting match. Sound like my wife's family reunions. I'm going to turn my back on you right now. <laughs> and when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Stop right there. Go back. God, which knows the hearts, he was not looking at their actions. Amen. He was looking at their hearts. Amen. The Gentiles had hearts that were turned toward God. How did God know this? Because of what they believed. And, when, and God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as He did unto us. What, what did God witness? Verse 9. Verse 9. You were in such a hurry a while ago. <laughs> And put no difference between us and them purifying their hearts by. Faith. How did Peter know their hearts were purified by faith? I'm going to let you in on a little secret about preachers. I'm going to, in case I'm going to give away one of your secrets. He's a preacher, you know. Yes. Israel, I'm giving away one of your secrets. When a preacher does something that, that works, says something that works, he remembers what he said. He makes notes. Say that again next time. Say that again next time. He remembers what he said that, was, that worked. And when the Holy Ghost fell on, fell on 
Cornelius, don't you know? Peter went, what did I just say? What did I just say to make that happen? And he went back and remembered the words of his message, and there were these, to him give all the prophets witness that whoever believes on his name shall receive the remission of sins. Peter knew exactly what he was saying when that happened because it was a stark moment for him. Wow, look at this Gentiles talking in tongues. Wow, what did I just say? He brings that to the first council of the church. The very first time the church of the living God got together to talk about, talk about theological things and make decisions was right here. Big day in, in church history. Amen. First time the church got together, it's called the first council of the church. And Peter brings that thought, that idea of what happened at Cornelius' house. Notice he did not say one word about Acts chapter 2. Not one word about Acts 2, Pentecost, and all, all that happened to them. All he's talking about in this discussion is what happened in Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' house. For the rest of the world, the whole world, not just how Jews are saved, but how the whole world is saved. Glory to God. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Purifying their hearts by faith, he said. Wow, Peter, you helped us a bunch right here, brother. Purifying their hearts by faith. Listen to what he says in verse 10. Now therefore, why do you tempt God? How were they tempting God? Look. To put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Verse 11. But we believe that through the grace, everybody say grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. I love that. Righteousness came by faith, and they settled the issue right here and right there. You hear me? It cannot possibly be based on how you perform. Or you didn't need Jesus to die for you. It's all about what he did, who he is, and what he's doing right now on your behalf. As surely as Jesus is in heaven, you're going to go to heaven. Amen. Glory to God. Think of that. I don't go to heaven because of how well I performed. I'm going to heaven because of how well he performed. And I'll tell you something. Let me tell you something. I used to be a legalist. And I got a hold of this message of grace. And I promise you with my hand up, I, I performed 10 times better under grace yeah. than I did under legalism. Yeah. Because grace expresses the love of God. Yeah. Legalism expresses the judgment of God, the fear of God. And you will wind up hating what you fear. You will wind up hating what you fear and loving what loves you. Yeah. Are you hearing me, everybody? We have three kids that all walk with God. They all walk with God. I was asked on one day last week in class, how did you make it, how did you do this? How did you, all your kids turn out the way they have, walking with God? What kind of stringent things did you put on them? I said, I beat their butts every day, if they needed to do it. Because I believe that raising boys is kind of like raising 
jackasses. <laughs> and they, they need beatings. One thing I did not do, though, I never dangled them over hell. I never, ever told them, if you don't straighten up, God's going to send you to hell. That is erroneous. My kids not, were not fearful of God, but they loved God. When I was harsh with them, they ran to God. Kids who were raised by legalists, their parents are harsh with them. They can't run to God because he's harsher. You hearing me? They ran, they ran to God away from me. I had kids in my youth group when I was a youth pastor t teaching these things. They loved to come to church. Kids just loved to come to church. <coughs> One daddy who didn't co go to church, he sent his daughter to our youth group. He called me one day and he said, John, Pastor John, I've got to discipline her. She made a seal on a report card. He said, but I'm, I hate to tell you what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to ground her from coming to church. I said, why? He said, because she does nothing else. She does nothing else. Her only activity is church because she loves it so much. I said, don't, don't ground her, Dad. Don't ground her. And don't tell her what I'm going to tell you. Don't ground her. Spank her and send her to, then send her to church. He said, I don't like spanking. I said, I don't either, but I'd better you do that than, than no. ground her from church. You hearing me? Yes. Why do people love God? When they know God loves them. Yeah. Hearing his love. And John says it clearly. Clearly. Hearing his love. Not that we love God. Love cannot be defined by how much you love God. Yeah. But that he first loved us. Love is defined by how God loves us. And righteousness is the same way. Righteousness cannot be defined by how well you, you, you operate, how well you, you work and uh, operate in righteousness. Righteousness is defined by how, much, how righteous God is and the impartation of that righteousness to you by faith. Amen. Amen. Take your Bible now and turn to Romans chapter 3. Got another few things to tell you here. It's going to take weeks to get through all this. We're going to talk about righteousness for the next few weeks, okay? Amen. Are you with me in this? Amen. I'm going to help you. Verse 21, Romans 3, 21. But now the righteousness of God without the, work, without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God without the law. Everybody say, without the law. Without, the law. <laughs> without what law? The law of Moses, which is also called the law of God. The law of God. But you can be righteous without the law of God. Woo. You don't need God's law to be righteous. How is that, Holler? What you need is God's Spirit inside you that wrote that law to the people who did not have God's Spirit inside them. you got to know who you are and have the Spirit of God inside you and He whispers that law to you, causing that drip, drip, drip to stop. Yeah. The law of God never made anybody righteous. 
Paul said this clearly. For if there had been a law that would have made men righteous, and then Christ died for nothing. If keeping the law, listen to me, if keeping the law cannot make you righteous, then breaking it certainly cannot make you unrighteous. If keeping it can't make you righteous, then breaking it cannot make you unrighteous. Right. It's just a question of logic. What makes you unrighteous? What made you unrighteous? What made you unrighteous? Unbelief. But, but what, after, what made us unrighteous was that we, we were born. Born in sins. Born in trespasses and sins. Conceived in, in sinfulness. But Eve and Adam got into unbelief, you're right. And caused our lives to be bound up in unbelief. Verse 22, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. No difference from what? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now that's saying that all people have sinned. It means every Jew and every Gentile, there is no difference in that respect. The ones who had the law sinned, the ones who did not have the law sinned. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now listen to me. Whose righteousness is, de is declared for the remission of sins? Yours? No. His righteousness is for the remission of sins. Not your righteousness. I started going to church to somebody say, I, got, I straightened, up, straightened up my act. I quit sinning, quit doing that. And now I'm right with God. No, you're not right with God because you quit. You quit because you got right with God. Don't wag the dog here. Keep the tail on the right end of that dog. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> right living follows right being. Yeah. My kids, when they were born, they were the cutest little things you ever saw. And they were all so cute. We have pictures of them. I can show them to you. They were the cutest little kids in the world. Except for Israel and... and, and Whitney's there, gorgeous kids. <laughs> but they grew up. They started looking more like me. Especially that first one. He looks just like me. Everybody says so. Looks just like me. Poor kid. He used to be so cute. But he couldn't help it. He could not help becoming like me because I was in him. At first, he didn't look like me. He didn't look like me at all. First, he didn't have any teeth, had very little hair, no wrinkles across his forehead, nothing. He was just a perfect little being, but he didn't look like me very much. But then, something happened. He started growing. He did not become like me because he started acting like me. 
he started acting like me because he found out I was in him and he could not escape me. That's good. That's really good. God is in you. God is in you. And with God in you, you will not be able to escape. He means to finish his work in you. He started this work in you and he's going to complete this work in you. His righteousness deals with sin, not your righteousness. God's righteousness deals with sin. It's the only righteousness that's good enough to deal with sin. You receive His righteousness by believing what He said. Amen. He said this, clear and simple. For those of you who are here today who may not be saved, you may not be in the family of God yet, but you're on the verge. There are two kinds of people in this world. Those who are saved and those who are about to be. Amen. Amen. Goes like this. Christ died for our sins. Help me out, church. And he was buried. And he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. If you believe this simple gospel, the Bible says the righteousness of God will come into you and you'll be made brand new again. Let's pray together today. Father, we thank you for this word today. Thank you for your righteousness that is our righteousness. Thank you that we don't have to try to count right. You've already counted for us. We don't have to keep up with our good works and our bad works and make sure they even out or the good works outweigh the bad works. All we have to do is believe on Jesus and put our whole trust in Jesus and what he did. And today we say we do. We trust you, Lord. Your righteousness makes us, makes us righteous. Your faith makes our faith work. We trust you today. Thank you for this great grace of God that is upon us in our, in our lives to make us who we are. Thank you, Father, for this word today. I pray you cause it to be a blessing to those who heard and make it, may it bring forth fruit in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today, with the heads bowed, please, everyone. If you're here today and you say, Doctor, I, I, I need to be saved. I've never really received Christ as my own Savior, but I want to today. Listen, I'm not going to embarrass you. That's why I have everybody bow their heads. If you want me to pray for you, I want you to raise your hand right quick. Just raise your hand right up. I'm going to pray for you to be saved today. Thank you. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you want to be saved today. If you want to say, I can lend you words. I can't give you faith. I think the Holy Ghost gave you faith, faith already. I can give you, I can lend you words though. If you want to be saved today, we can pray together and God will come into your life and change everything for you. Anybody else? All right, thank you, Father. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear God in heaven, I trust in you. I heard your word today and I receive your righteousness because I received Jesus. I believe Jesus died for me, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day. I believe he did all this to take away my sins. And now I receive new life in Jesus' name. I live forever. I'm a new creature and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name.
Amen, amen, glory to God. Somebody rejoice.